welcome. I am your host, Nicole Nyberg. I am a neonatal nurse practitioner and also a proud preemie mama to my son, William, who just happens to be a former 23-weeker. So if you are a current or former NICU parent, you have come to the right place. I have been exactly where you are, and I know what you're going through. We will be discussing all things related to the neonatal intensive care unit for preterm and term infants, as well as some of the emotions and struggles parents endure along the way in the NICU and beyond. So tune in and get ready to become educated and empowered. This is the Empowering NICU Parents Podcast. While I make every effort to broadcast correct and up-to-date information, medicine is constantly evolving and advancing, and I continue to learn new things each day. Every NICU baby and their journey is different, and every institution varies in their practices as well. So please, always consult your obstetrician and your infant's physician for any medical issues or concerns. I am presenting from my personal experience and knowledge My opinions do not represent that of my employers. Hi, everyone. I apologize for this episode being launched a few days late. I, unfortunately, like so many others, came down with an illness last week that set me back a few days and it took me a bit to recover. But I hope this finds you happy and well. Now, on our last episode, I summarized the initial updated recommendations for care of the preterm and low birth weight infant from the World Health Organization that were just released on November 15th of this year, 2022. As I explained last time, the recommendations were derived from a group of diverse experts and stakeholders. The recommendations are directed at a large target audience and are beneficial for national policymakers, supervisors, managers, NICU clinicians, plus more. So I wanted to provide you with the Cliff Notes version, spotlighting the most pertinent points out of the 137-page document. So stay tuned and get ready to get empowered as we continue to review the World Health Organization's recommendations for care of the preterm or low birth weight infant. This episode of our podcast is sponsored by Neotech. Once a baby has been admitted to the NICU, parents lose the ability to independently care for their infant, dress them, and most importantly, take them home right away. To help make NICU bed spaces more personal, families like to tape family pictures or drawings to their infant's isolate along with their information card. But the use of tape in the NICU is heavily frowned upon by JACO, or the Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations. Tape also leaves adhesive residue behind, which is a breeding ground for germs and bacteria. Fortunately, Neotech Products offers the perfect alternative, the NeoPockets Personal Incubator Organizer. This ingenious product was invented by a NICU nurse, which I love, as a simple solution for families and healthcare workers to store small equipment and photos on the isolate. NeoPockets has three sides of pockets for patient information, a thermometer, family photos, sibling drawings, and more. The organizer is made from crystal clear static cling vinyl, so it stays in place without the use of tape. Just lay it on top of the isolate and reposition as necessary. 
The contour fits many isolates or incubators, and it can be trimmed to meet each unit's needs. Once the infant goes home, simply peel off neopockets and discard. There will not be any residual tape to remove, which can damage the plastic on the isolate or may require the use of harsh chemicals to remove. Improve patient safety and efficiency in your unit by eliminating cleanup time. Visit neotechproducts.com to request your free samples or find the link in our show notes. Do not miss capturing a single one of your baby's first holidays with our set of first holiday cards. Each set of 5x5 cards includes 12 unique and colorful holiday images for every major and minor holiday. Take a moment and capture the perfect photo opportunity each holiday during your baby's first year. You may not believe me now, but your baby's first year will fly by. So capture an amazing keepsake that you will forever treasure with these holiday cards. Order your set of downloadable holiday cards right now at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash shop. That's empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash S-H-O-P. Or find the link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. As I mentioned, we are going to continue to review the World Health Organization's recommendations for the care of the preterm or low birth weight infant. If you missed our last episode, I spoke about the World Health Organization, who they are, and what their goals are in detail. We then started to discuss each of the World Health Organization's recommendations that they developed and released on November 15th of 2022. If you have not already, I encourage you to go and listen to our 42nd podcast episode, a review of the World Health Organization recommendations for the care of preterm or low birth weight infant by heading to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode 42. To briefly summarize, the World Health Organization is the United Nations agency that connects nations, partners, and people to promote health, serve the vulnerable, and keep the world safe. Their goal is that everyone everywhere can attain the highest level of health. They lead the global effort to promote healthier lives through all stages of life, from newborns to the elderly. They have several different committees that help to develop global guidelines that are meant to help end users or clinicians make informed decisions on whether when, and how to undertake specific actions such as clinical interventions, diagnostic tests, or public health measures with the aim to achieve the best possible individual or collective health outcomes. Today, we are going to review the World Health Organization's recommendations for care of the preterm or low birth weight infant. The Departments of Maternal, Newborn, Child, and Adolescent Health and Aging and Sexual and Reproductive Health and Research previously developed guidelines back in 2011, 2012, and 2015 for improving birth outcomes. Due to the new evidence that has emerged, the World Health Organization developed a steering group that consisted of 25 international experts. After they examined the most up-to-date evidence from low- to high-income countries, 
They then developed and updated guidance about the care of preterm or low birth weight infants. The recommendations include guidelines for preventive and promotive care, care of complications, family involvement and support, and a good practice statement. To help you follow along with the recommendations, we created a free PDF that you can get at empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash who or W-H-O. So on our last episode, I did not get very far down into the recommendations because I was a little long-winded on some of the initial recommendations. But today, we're going to continue on with preventive and promotive care, starting with A6, Early Initiation of Enteral Feeding, which states, preterm and low birth weight infants, including very preterm infants, or those less than 32 weeks gestation, and very low birth weight infants, or those less than 1.5 kilograms, should be fed as early as possible from the first day after birth. Infants who are able to breastfeed should be put to the breast as soon as possible after birth. Infants who are unable to breastfeed should be given expressed mother's own milk as soon as it becomes available. If mother's own milk is not available, donor human milk should be given whenever possible. This recommendation is an updated one that is supported by strong recommendation with moderate certainty of evidence. They do warn that consideration should be given in applying these recommendations to unstable infants and must be based on clinical judgment. Now, you're likely thinking, well, of course infants should be fed right after birth, and this is true for stable term infants. But as the recommendation states, it is still under debate by clinicians when the optimal timing of feeding initiation is for preterm infants. With preterm infants, there is an increased concern for potential health complications, including necrotizing intercolitis or NEC. Feedings are typically initiated with preterm infants in the first one to two days, depending on the infant's clinical condition. We know that initiation of early, minimal enteral feeds with mother's breast milk or donor milk stimulates the development of the intestinal immune system, stimulates motility, enzyme production, gastrointestinal hormone release, improves digestive tolerance, allows for faster increase in volume rate, helps infants to achieve full enteral nutrition, and limits postnatal weight loss. But, as I said, minimal amounts are used to start and slowly advanced based on the institution's protocols. So this recommendation will need to be based on each infant's clinical conditions and guided by clinical judgment of the providers. Next up is A7, Responsive and Scheduled Feeding, which states, in healthcare facilities, scheduled feedings may be considered rather than responsive feeding for preterm infants born before 34 weeks gestation until the infant is discharged. Just to give you a little bit of background, responsive feeding is simply when you feed the infant in response to their visual and auditory cues or signals of hunger. Some of these cues might include crying, hand-mouth motions, suckling, and awakeness. Scheduled feedings for preterm infants ensure that the infant is fed at a minimum of every three hours to allow for the necessary nutritional requirements. 
This recommendation stems from the fact that in preterm infants born less than 34 weeks gestation, their muscles, nervous system, and other body parts are not mature enough to maintain adequate growth with responsive feeding. At 33 to 34 weeks gestation, their coordination to effectively suck, swallow, and breathe with either breast or bottle feeding is just at the beginning stages of development. Infants less than 34 weeks also typically need an enteral feeding tube like a nasogastric NG or orogastric OG tube to help them finish their feeding to support their overall growth. The next recommendation is A8, which is fast and slow advancement of feeding. The recommendation states that in preterm and low birth weight infants, including very preterm infants or those less than 32 weeks gestation or very low birth weight infants, those less than 1.5 kilograms, who need to be fed by an alternative feeding method to breastfeeding, as in a gastric tube feeding or cup feeding, the feed volumes can be increased by up to 30 milliliters per kilogram per day. For this recommendation, it speaks to the matter and how quickly we as providers advance feedings in preterm infants. As I spoke about earlier, for very low birth weight and low birth weight infants, feedings are recommended to be introduced early, but with minimal enteral feedings. From that point, feedings are slowly advanced per each institution's policies typically based on gestational age and or birth weight. Each incremental advancement is also typically calculated based on the set volume times the infant's weight. To make the decisions, the World Health Organization reviewed trials that had varying degrees of how quickly they advanced feedings. So based on the findings, the guideline development group took the conservative value and they recommend 30 milliliters per kilogram per day as the threshold for fast advancement of feedings, which they stated is consistent with many national guidelines. The guideline development group did not make separate recommendations for formula-fed infants versus those fed human milk. Additionally, they recommend that the advancement of feedings continue until full maintenance feeding volumes are established, which is also institutionally based. The time it takes to get to full volume feeds will also vary based on the infant's clinical condition and their tolerance of the advancement. Next up is A9, duration of exclusive breastfeeding. The recommendation states, preterm or low birth weight infants should be exclusively breastfed until six months of age. The guideline development group made a strong recommendation in favor of exclusive breastfeeding until six months of age. It is the standard of care for preterm and low birth weight infants across low and high income countries. With this, they also recognize that the mothers need encouragement and support before, during, and after birth so they can provide their own breast milk for their infants. They advise that the support should be done at the facility and community level and integrated within standard national programs. Next is A10A, and that is iron supplementation. 
which states that enteral iron supplementation is recommended for human milk-fed preterm or low birth weight infants who are not receiving iron from another source. The guideline development group notes that there was limited data on the dose, timing of initiation, and duration of iron supplementation, but they ultimately suggest a daily dose of 2 to 4 milligrams per kilogram per day of elemental iron once enteral feedings are well established starting around 2 weeks of age and should continue until the infant receives iron from another source, which is typically at least until 6 months of age. In term and preterm infants, iron deficiency is associated with poor growth and poor developmental outcomes. Due to their low iron stores, catch-up growth, and iatrogenic blood loss, most typically from lab draws, human milk does not typically meet the nutritional requirements needed in preterm and low birth weight infants. The guideline developmental group followed that recommendation up with, with A10B zinc supplementation. They recommended that enteral zinc supplementation be considered for human milk-fed preterm or low birth weight infants who are not receiving zinc from another source. Again, the guideline development group noted that there was limited data available on the dose, timing, and duration of zinc supplementation, but they suggest a daily dose of 1 to 3 milligrams per kilogram per day of elemental zinc once enteral feeds are well established and should be continued until the infant receives zinc from another source. Zinc is a trace element essential for physiological functions of the human body. Zinc deficiency is associated with dysfunction in epidermal, gastrointestinal, central nervous, immune, skeletal, and reproductive systems. Due to low zinc stores and catch-up growth in preterm and low birth weight infants, human milk is not believed to meet their nutritional requirements. A Cochrane review from 2021 reported that zinc supplementation reduced all-cause mortality and was associated with a probable improvement in short-term weight gain and linear growth. The optimal dose of zinc and timing of initiation are unclear, but the dose used in most of the studies was 3 to 5 milligrams per day. Next up is A10C vitamin D supplementation, which states that enteral vitamin D supplementation may be considered for human milk-fed, preterm, or low birth weight infants who are not receiving vitamin D from another source. Vitamin D increases intestinal absorption of calcium and phosphorus. It also plays an important role in skeletal health and enhances bone mineralization. Low vitamin D levels are associated with seizures, irritability, rickets, bone fractures, osteopenia, and metabolic bone disease. Human milk is not thought to meet the nutritional requirements of preterm or low birth weight infants due to their low vitamin D stores, their need for catch-up growth, and the additional risk factors they face, including long-term parenteral nutrition use, intolerance to human milk fortifiers and formula, and neonatal cholestasis. Although the guideline development group notes that there was limited data in the research they reviewed regarding the dose, timing of initiation, and duration of supplementation, 
they suggested a daily dose of 400 to 800 international units once enteral feeds are well established and should be continued until the infant receives vitamin D from another source. In 2011, the World Health Organization recommended continuing vitamin D supplementation until six months of age. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends 400 international units per day of vitamin D for all infants less than six months of age who are receiving breast milk or less than 32 ounces of formula per day. But again, the dose given to your baby will vary based on each institution's guidelines. Okay, next up is A10D, vitamin A supplementation, which reads, enteral vitamin A supplementation may be considered for human milk-fed, very preterm infants, or those less than 32 weeks gestation, or very low birth weight infants, those less than 1.5 kilograms, who are not receiving vitamin A from another source. Vitamin A regulates cell growth and helps to maintain the integrity of the mucosa and epithelium of the respiratory and gastrointestinal tracts. It may also help boost immune function and has been reported to reduce bronchopulmonary dysplasia, or BPD, in studies of preterm infants born less than 32 weeks gestation. The evidence was derived from a systematic review of random controlled trials that only included infants less than 32 weeks gestation, and therefore the recommendations provided are recommended for preterm or low birth weight infants. The guideline development group suggests a daily dose of 1,000 to 1,500 international units to be initiated once enteral feeds are well established and should continue until the infant receives vitamin A from another source. So I know that was a large amount of information in a fairly short amount of time. So we are going to pause there and complete our review of the World Health Organization recommendations for the care of the preterm or low birth weight infants next time. Although the target audience for these recommendations include national policymakers, implementers, managers, supervisors, healthcare workers, including neonatologists, pediatricians, nurses, nurse practitioners, plus more. I also feel that it is important for parents to have a general understanding of these newly released recommendations. Next time, we will continue our review on the updated and new recommendations from the updated guideline, so you will not want to miss it. I hope you found some value in hearing these global recommendations developed by the World Health Organization. As I mentioned, all of the recommendations are evidence-based and they have been reviewed by several committees through several stages to ensure the validity of each one. Whether you are a policymaker, supervisor, NICU parent, or a NICU clinician, I think it is important to know what the global recommendations are for the care of the preterm and low birth weight infant. The recommendations are meant to help guide clinicians So the most optimal care for preterm and low birth weight infants is provided globally. And since NICU parents are often thrown into a world without any basis of knowledge, we hope this review was beneficial. We at Empowering NICU Parents want to help provide you with appropriate evidence-based education 
so you feel more confident in caring for and advocating for your infant. Next time, as I said, we will continue to review the final recommendations from the World Health Organization so you can stay up to date on what is best for the preterm and low birth weight neonatal population. Remember to grab your free PDF of these recommendations by heading to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash WHO. As always, if you know of someone who would gain some value from this episode or any of our podcasts, please share it with them. For the links of the previous podcast and sponsors mentioned in the episode, head to empoweringnicuparents.com forward slash episode 43. Thank you for tuning in to the Empowering NICU Parents podcast and have an amazing day. Remember, once empowered with knowledge, you have the ability to change the course. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Empowering NICU Parents podcast. For the show notes and any links mentioned in the episode, head to empoweringnicuparents.com. I would love to hear more from you on the topics you want to hear. So make sure you let me know in the comments section. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a rating. Five stars would be awesome so we can help other NICU families. Remember, if you have any questions or concerns with your NICU baby, please consult their medical care team. Until next time, friends. Bye.